This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's do it. But before uh, we do that, we have a couple <laughs> things we need to cover. For example, I am the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist. And I am the non-believing sort of Jew. I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And I'm reading the Oxford NRSV, New Revised Standard version of the oh, Bible. Oh, that's the new revised stranded version is my favorite one. It's on tape and it's committed and we can never get it back. Okay. We do all this live. <laughs> We're saying it as you hear it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what else? Oh, uh, this is not a Bible study podcast. It's also not suitable for children, especially this episode. Why Why especially this episode? Oh, it's got apocalypses. It's got terrifying visions of of spiritual it's got, nature. It's got too much truth. It's got extreme metaphors. You know, sometimes there's objectionable content in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, we apologize in advance for it. Yep. Uh, so, should we dive in? Yes. All right. This week we are talking about the book of Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. We're in Hebrew, Yechezkel, which means pretty much the same. God will strengthen or something like that. Okay. Chazak is strong and El oh. is God. Uh, to refresh your memory or to clue in any new listeners, here's the deal with the Babylonian exile. Oh, gee, do we have to do it again? I mean, <laughs> we, I know mean, we do have to. I was a rhetorical question. It's, it, I know it's getting old, but all of the Bible, like half of the freaking Old Testament is about the Babylonian exile. Almost like it was a big deal or oh, something. Oh, whatever. Were we um, talking about this the other night? We were saying like, why is the entire Bible about stuff that happened between like 300 and 500 BC? Yeah, because it's like... Well, like 300 to 600. Yeah. Because that's, that's when this big cultural and political moment happened, and that's all that religion so, actually is. <laughs> it's just like culture slash politics plus some ritual. Um, anyway, there that's was— Too sensical an answer for my question. Oh, sorry. Um, the reason is because of the aliens we're going to see later in this book. Okay. Uh, so there was, a, there was Kingdom of Israel. And uh, after King David and King Solomon, kingdom split into two. Mm -hmm. The northern kingdom is Israel. Southern kingdom is Judah. Northern kingdom has a capital of Samaria. Okay. Southern kingdom capital is Jerusalem. Northern kingdom gets destroyed by Assyria. Uh, most of the Jews are living there, like 10 out of the 12 tribes. And they are now lost tribes. They're mm -hmm. gone. 
forever. Nobody knows what happened to no. them. I mean, we do to know what happened. To this very they day. Assimilated into other societies where they were deported. To this very day, they still say if you look up at the sky at just the right time of night, you might spot See a falling the... star and say, there goes one of those there lost goes a Danite. <laughs> of Israel. There goes uh, Ephraimite. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the southern kingdom... They did not get taken over by Assyria, but about 150 years later, they did get taken over by Babylon. However, 66 years after that, Persia took over Babylon and let the Jews go back to their homeland, back to Judah and back to Jerusalem. Um, so that's the Babylonian exile. The mm -hmm. Assyrian exile was permanent. The Babylonian exile only lasted 66 years or so. Sure. <laughs> I don't, you know. The Bible has a special relationship to numbers. So. Yeah, it loves them. <laughs> it loves to say whichever numbers come into its head. Um, so the book of Ezekiel is taking place like right at the beginning of the Babylonian exile. Mm -hmm. um, when Ezekiel is, I guess, living in a Babylonian city called Tel Abib, mm -hmm. which is not just how you say Tel Aviv when you have a cold. It is a different city. Okay. Um, I was going to ask if it was Tel Aviv when you have a cold. Uh, well, it's not. Oh, you got me. <laughs> you are too sharp for I'm me. I'm two steps ahead, babe. Uh, and uh, the thing about this book is it mixes some of the weirdest stuff in the Bible mm -hmm. with some of the most repetitive and boring stuff. So for this episode, we really want to give the weird stuff all the attention. So there's like... Mm, 35 chapters in here that we're not going to discuss because they're the same deal that we've seen in the last several episodes where it's like poetry about how God's going to punish the Israelites for their idolatry by destroying Jerusalem, using King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon as his tool, and then they'll be exiled, but then they'll rise again because there is chosen people and all the other nations will be destroyed because they're also idolaters etc etc um that's like 35 chapters there's there is some interesting stuff in there but we simply don't have time to cover it yeah and i'd say the most interesting thing about it is the language is slightly different than it has been in some of the other um, oracles or prophecies or whatever you want to call them about the downfall of mm -hmm. jerusalem mm -hmm. like, i think the language is a little more extreme a little more edgy mm -hmm. you know um, it's a little more hot topic, a little less gap, <laughs> even though those are the same company now, I think. Um, okay. So you're saying it's that a little this more is Spencer's gift. It's a little more twisted. A little more twisted. A little more Jared Leto. A little more Jared Leto, okay. a little less Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. There, I think there's some interesting stuff hidden in there, but like we don't have time. Okay. So we are basically going to spend all of our time on this episode talking about a few, I don't know, what is it, like five visions? Yeah, something like that. That Ezekiel has and mm -hmm. that he records. And um so let's just let's just start in with the the first one, shall okay. we? Yeah. Uh this is this is the opening of the book of Ezekiel. Right. And it is weird as hell. Yeah. So the first thing Ezekiel sees is a cloud of flashing lightning with a center that looks like glowing metal. Mm -hmm. And for living creatures come out of it the hebrew word is chayot which just means like living things mm -hmm. in modern hebrew it means animals mm. and these are the cherubim mm -hmm. or 
keruvim in Hebrew, but they're not actually called that in this chapter. They're just called living things. Would you paint us a little picture? I'll try. I'll probably get these cherubim look like. So they have four wings. Uh huh. They have four faces. Yeah, so it's like a human body, but with four faces. Yes. And four wings. Uh, They look like they're made of bronze. It doesn't say that they're made of bronze, but they look like they're made of burnished bronze. Yes, or also that they're like burning. Yeah, something like that. Something. So of their four faces, they got one lion face, one ox face, one eagle face, and one face of a human. Just one human. They have four wings, too, and it's just like those other angels that were in that other prophecy where they're using their wings to like cover themselves in a strange way. Oh, yeah. Someone on Twitter pointed out that feet is often a euphemism for genitals, right. as we learned in some past episodes. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the six-winged angels in oh, Isaiah like that wings. were covering their feet could have been covering their dicks. Yeah. And there was, they showed us a painting of it where it looked like they were very consciously covering their loins, but not their but feet. But their feet were like glowing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, we didn't mean feet. <laughs> Surprise. Unless that was like fetish porn, because like as soon as somebody tells you that you can't like see their feet, you're like, I gotta see those Honestly, feet. the fact that feet is, is a euphemism for genitals tells me like they had a fetish about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so these cherubim in Ezekiel, they're... Their weirdest feature is that they're on wheels. Yeah. And they're like literally on wheels, like, right? They, they travel the by the wheels. wheels. Are they the spokes of the wheels? The wheels are below them. Okay. Like the wheels, I think, are their legs. The wheels are their legs. Yeah. Okay. And the wheels like do not really conform to the laws of physics. No. So, like, it says that they're, like, intersecting or, like, there's a wheel within a wheel. Um, also, they have eyes all around the rims. Yes. And they can, like, they spin round and round, but they can't turn side to side. So, like, the angels and the angels don't have to turn their heads because they have, like, a face on every side. Uh-huh. So they just, like, zoom forward and then, like, zoom right and, like, zoom left, like, on a grid because they have these magical wheels. And uh, as they wheel along, these four cherubim are bearing the throne of God. Yes. Under a crystal dome. Yeah. It's like made of sapphire. Um, God looks like fire from the waist down and glowing metal from the waist up. Mm-hmm. And also he's surrounded by a rainbow aura. Mm-hmm. Also, the... Wheels and the wings make a very loud rumbling sound. The rumbling is intense. Yes. And every time he has another vision where he even gets close to God, he recognizes the rumbling yes. as the sound of God's throne coming by. So these are called throne angels, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah, these are the thrones. I mean, it makes sense because they're carrying a throne. Okay. I've seen illustrations of them where they are the rims of the of the wheels themselves. Well, the rims have eyes on them, though. There's no room for. I mean, the spokes. I mean, the spokes. Oh, the spokes. Yeah. Of course, the rims have eyes on them. Duh. Uh, <laughs> we all know that. So you're saying they're kind of like little hamsters in there, like spinning the wheels. I think like they're they're like splayed out, like the like Leonardo. Oh, like a Vitruvian. Yeah, man? like the Vitruvian man. And then there's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like rolling, rolling head wow. over, head over. Head over butt, excuse me for the <laughs> wow. language. Wow, fucking French. Chin over Excuse tuchus. your French. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know because it says that it says the wheels are below them. Okay, but well, it, wouldn't the wheels be below them at all times if they were the spokes? I mean, they would be above them and I to guess. the left and to the well, right. And it says like when the angels rise up, the wheels rise with them. Yeah, because their soul is in the wheels. Yeah, something. they're the spokes. Look. That's my headcanon, and that's where we're going to roll with. Okay, I'm not going to try and kink shame your headcanon. Thank so. you. Um, so so this this crew rolls up. <laughs> uh, looking weird as hell. Looking pretty fly. And uh, God tells Ezekiel that he's going to be a prophet. And he shows him this scroll that's like, has all these lamentations and and bitter words written on it. Yeah. He says, do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. So then he literally eats the scroll. Yeah. It takes another paragraph or two, but, and God is like, so I really want you to just eat what I give you. So just to be clear, whatever I give you, I want you to eat it. (laughs) Ezekiel's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you want to give me? He's like, eat this scroll. (laughs) Don't be a pussy. Eat this scroll. (laughs) So Ezekiel eats the scroll and it tastes sweet as honey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then God tells Ezekiel basically like the fate of all the Israelites is like in his hands. Like mm-hmm. he's responsible for it all. It, so it like I like that it lays out a little bit of the moral gambit of being a prophet mm-hmm. in that it's God is like, hey, just so you know, if you don't give the prophecy that I tell you to. Every, everything that goes wrong is on your hands. Yeah. But if you give the prophecy and then someone chooses to ignore it. That's on them. That's on them. Yeah. So you're cool. So this is like the the biblical concept of a watchman. Okay. It's what I'm always confused about who is going to watch, you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Who's going to watch them? This is about- Or those ones. Rorschach mm-hmm. and uh, all the other- All your favorites. All your Rorschach, favorite fellows. Uh, Captain Hawk or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, Big Bluey. Big Bluey, yeah. <laughs> Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra <laughs> himself, chairman of the board. Old Green Eyes. <laughs> That's his cousin. This is cousin Bob. Um, you would think that it would be the other way around. What, that the Watchmen would watch those who watch the Watchmen? That and also... If someone didn't hear Ezekiel's prophecy, then that's not on him. Mm-hmm. But if they do hear it and don't repent, then that's because he wasn't persuasive enough. No, no. I think I like it this way. He's got a very clear imperative. Well, how's he supposed to reach everyone, though? Well, he can't reach everyone, but he can just... But like, then they... God drags him around by his nose to prophecy to like very specific people. I guess that's people. true. God does put him in the places he needs to be. He has this weird, like, extra prophet instruction that we haven't seen before where it's I'm, I'm a little unclear about like how literal this is but he's basically told like you can't move or speak unless it's like directly by god's command and unless it's like spreading the word of the lord yes he, he's bound with cords and rendered dumb except when prophesying yeah and so i mean i assume we're not supposed to take that like super literally but it is referred to like throughout the book like he'll be like um Oh, and then I said this, you know, because I was allowed to speak right then because, like, God was using me. Yeah. Normally I wouldn't be speaking, but right then it was fine because God was, like, speaking through me. Or he says, you know, with my cords unbound, I moved to the place where I'm supposed to prophesy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obvious. I don't think it's supposed to be literal. I right. think it's supposed to be a, just, like, a very extreme metaphor. Yeah. But it is very extreme. Like, mm-hmm. it's very creepy. 
to think about someone who is like tied up in his house silent and then every so often he like just goes out to tell everybody they're sinning and then he like comes back and ties himself back yeah he's like a real puppet of god yeah to the point where god doesn't want him doing anything else yeah like we saw in jeremiah he wasn't allowed to have a family or right enjoy himself in any way but god dialed it back even further for ezekiel he was like you know just to avoid even the confusion how about you just don't move or speak uh unless i tell you to and when you move, I move. How about that? Just like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after this after this vision, this crazy vision of the the hell's angels on wheels, I don't the, know. The thrones, yeah. Yeah. Um God makes Ezekiel do this ritual that's like so classic O C D. And how would you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I um will show you my thumb is bleeding right now because I'm picking at it. Um so this ritual is like a symbolic siege on Jerusalem. Yes. To like symbolize the literal slash spiritual siege on Jerusalem. Exactly. So Ezekiel has to like draw a picture of Jerusalem on a clay tablet. Yeah. And then bake that clay tablet right up. And then he has to like set it down on the floor mm-hmm. and put an iron pan between him and the drawing. Mm-hmm. Then he has to lie on his left side for 390 days. Yep. uh, One for every year the Israelites sinned. Right. Then he has to turn over and lie on his right side for 40 days. Until brown or fragrant. Right. (laughs) Uh, One for every year the house of Judah in particular sinned. This is like so, so classic OCD. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like having these specific amounts. Yeah, like you have to count to a certain amount, like do something for a certain amount of time and count it. Um, I'm unclear about like if he's lying on his side all day or. Well, he's bound by cords. He's not supposed to move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a metaphor. So. But I mean, he does also. I mean, it's like God says, you won't be tempted to roll over anything because I'm going to bind you with ropes. Mm -hmm. He also gives him. Uh, a recipe for what kind of bread he's supposed to eat when, yeah. he's, when he's doing this sort so, of stage craft He must be able to get off, off his side long enough to cook food. No, he's supposed to cook it all ahead of time. Oh, he's supposed to cook it all ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then he's supposed to lie down on his side for over a year. Yeah, and eat looking bread. Looking at a picture of Jerusalem that he drew. That's what God wants. How does he bake enough bread for over a year? Look, I'm not... I'm not a prophet. You know, these are secret answers. God well, he, gave him a recipe, though. Yeah, he did. He gives him a recipe, and it's like vegetarian. He's not allowed to <laughs> eat meat. And uh, Gluten-free. It's a... Uh, is he gluten-free? I guess it is gluten-free. Because it's like lentils and shit. Yeah, got me. I not FODMAP-free, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says that to cook the food, he has to use human shit as fuel. But then Ezekiel's like, hey, man... I've always eaten kosher. Why do you got to do me like this? And God's like, okay, fine. You can use cow shit. Perfect. So at least he doesn't have to burn his own shit to make lentil bread or whatever he's making. To make 600 days worth of bread so that he can eat it while he's lying on his side and not moving? Yeah. That's pretty brutal. Yeah. Then after all that, he he has to shave his head and his beard and then, like... He divides the hair in three. Divides it in three. And then, like, a third of it... 
He burns. He burns. A third of it he strikes with a sword. I'm not sure what that does to it hair. Kills, it kills, kills the hair. kills the hair. Mm-hmm. And then a third he scatters to the wind, but also he has to leave some strands in the folds of his garment or something. Like it's That's a metaphor for the people of Jerusalem, one third of which will be killed in war, one third of which will be killed by pestilence, and one third of which will be scattered to the wind. I see. But a couple, identity. a couple are going to remain in the folds of Ezekiel's garments. That's right. Those are the Babylonian exiles. I see. Still Everything seems... is a metaphor for the Babylonian exile. Yeah. Except that thing with the thrones. Like, I don't know what the fuck that's about. That's yeah. just like some crazy vision Why? of God. Why? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? So then we come to our second big vision. Mm-hmm. And in that vision, God's like taking Ezekiel around kind of like a Christmas carol. Like it's a wonderful life, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, here's what's going on all over the city. And I guess it's in the past because it's like who no, it's in just be- it's just before the Babylonian okay. exile. It is okay. in the past. It is in the past. So God like zooms him all around Jerusalem mm-hmm. and shows him all the people worshiping idols and so forth. And uh, then he calls for the guards, the city guards. Mm-hmm. In mine, it says executioners. Executioners, and with them is a is a man wearing linen and carrying a writing kit. Okay, I don't know exactly what's in a writing kit, but. Um, Mine said a scroll case. A scroll case. So I assume it has a little bit of ink. Probably like a quill. A little bit of papyrus. Sounds like a tasty scroll. (laughs) Tastes sweet as honey. (laughs) Only if God writes it. And this this linen dude has to go around Jerusalem and write a mark on the foreheads of everyone who isn't a sinful idol fucker. Right. Basically, anybody who is wailing and moaning about the state of the temple and the state of the idol worship and everything everyone who is wailing gets a mark yeah it's confusing yeah and then the um men at work are supposed to go through and kill everyone who doesn't have a mark Mm -hmm. so it's like a very fucked up passover which is another great holiday film you know you got a christmas carol it's a wonderful life a very fucked Fucked up up passover Passover. just the classics (laughs) You put on when uh, when those days start getting shorter and the nights start getting colder. <laughs> Ezekiel sees God in the temple mm-hmm. at Jerusalem, but mm-hmm. then uh, the the wheel angels come and pick him up. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, my ride's here, bye." Uh, and then God zaps Ezekiel over to Jerusalem's eastern gate. Where he sees some, I guess, like some Jewish officials who haven't been exiled or maybe they're just don't realize they're about to be exiled or whatever. And they say that the city of Jerusalem is like a cooking pot and they're the meat. Yeah. Meaning like they're the choice cuts of an animal and the exiles are just like the bones and gristle and whatever. And God tells Ezekiel to tell them, hey. You may think this is your pot, but this isn't your pot. This is God's pot. This is this is someone else's. I don't know how it got here. <laughs> God decides whose pot is whose. Yeah. I guess. I don't know what that means. Um. Well, you know, we learned last episode in the book of Jeremiah that... I learned very little in, in the episode. Well, we learned that the exiles are good figs. Oh, and like good these fig boys. These officials are nasty fig boys. Oh. So these are some of the nasty fig boys, but they think they're like choice cuts of meat. 
But actually, they're just nasty fig boys. Why would these nasty fig boys think that they're tasty meat? Because um, they're, you know. I bet, they, just... I bet they heard it from an idol or something. Probably. Um, all right. Well, I think we should take a break. Okay. And uh, then we'll come back with more wacky ass acid trip visions. I, we shouldn't promise too much whack. Dude, it's going to get wacky. It's going to get wacky? Yeah, it's going to be like the wacky walk. The wacky walk? Yeah. How wacky is that? It was quite wacky. That's what they <laughs> called it that. Makes sense. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. All right. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the book of Ezekiel. And in specific, we're talking about all the weird things that Ezekiel has to see and do as a weird OCD prophet. As like a as like a prophecy slave of the Lord. Yes. And uh, here's a good one. Okay. He has to do some weird performance art where he... Packs up his belongings and digs through his house's walls by hand every yes. day. Yes, and carries a certain amount of baggage with him to indicate he's, he's being like exiled. Ready for exile. Yeah. Ready for exile. And starring Steven Seagal. Specifically, he's supposed to like have people are supposed to ask him, What are you doing? And mm-hmm. he's and he's supposed to be like, Oh, getting ready for exile. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, you you haven't repented of your sins, jerk. What's weird is that, like, how did I don't know what it means by like he has to dig through the walls by hand. Like my Bible's notes were like, don't worry, it's not talking about the city gates, you know, because the city gates would be like, like really thick and made out of like really strong stone. He was just digging through the walls of his house by hand, and I was like, well, isn't that also difficult? <laughs> Unless he lives in like a. A mud, like, daub and wattle hut. But even then, isn't the mud supposed to be dry? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in your fancier houses. Maybe where you grew up. Oh, okay. In your, in your store-bought <laughs> daub and wattle house. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really like in here is when God says, Son of man, what is this proverb you have in the land of Israel? The days go by and every vision comes to nothing? Uh-huh. So the point of this is just to, like, to say, oh, the, the visions are coming to something now. Oh, yeah. But I really like, A, that he calls him, he calls him son of man throughout the book. Mm-hmm. God calls Ezekiel Ben-Adam, which literally means son of Adam. In mine, it's mortal is what he calls him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, okay, so in, in like modern Hebrew, it just means like a person, you know, just like ben, Ben-Adam, just like a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like puny human. <laughs> what? 
do you have this proverb? <laughs> and I also just like that it's like a... He's like, how does that saying go, yeah. puny mortal? Yeah. Um, how you say a, a proverb? <laughs> you know? As if he's like a visiting... Like he's visiting from another country. Right. And he's like, he needs the human to tell him how things are done. Yeah. This section also contains a line I really like. It says, Woe to the woman who sew bands on all wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every height in the hunt for human lives. Wow, my my translation was substantially different. Really? Yes. What did it what did it say? Do you know? It said like she sewed magic charms on all her wrists. Who knows how many wrists she had? <laughs> That's a good we shouldn't take it for granted. We've already seen a four-headed cherubim, whatever. Mm-hmm. Four-faced, I guess, one-headed, which is even worse. But and and then she made veils of various lengths in mine, I think. Oh. And I think it was supposed to be like she was like a prostitute. There's also yes. a lot of like really oh, yeah. like really terribly misogynistic stuff of like comparing Jerusalem to a prostitute. Very specific, very angry, yeah, very hateful language. Yeah. And like one of them is like basically a fantasy about getting revenge on uh your wife who has like cuckolded you yes. <laughs> it's like god being like you fucking in jerusalem you made me look like a total cuck in front of molech <laughs> and, <laughs> and then like the next chapter is like everyone knows he gets off on it yeah weird goat man <laughs> now i've brought him pleasure <laughs> and then the next chapter is like ezekiel's wife is dead yeah and but he's not allowed to mourn because he's supposed to set an example for israel not to mourn the loss of jerusalem but it's like maybe he just didn't want to seem suspicious after he wrote this huge diatribe about getting revenge on your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and then his wife mysteriously turns up dead? Yeah. Oh, that's... And he doesn't mourn. Hmm. This stuff is too mysterious for us. Uh, so um, on that note, let's just zap forward from chapter 12 to chapter 37. Mm, sounds good. Because most of it in there is just a bunch of stuff about how idols are bad. Yeah, zip zap, baby. Yeah, zip zap. Into a valley. And I mean, seriously, though, if you think that we're being like flippant or not taking this seriously by by not covering this stuff. First of all, we're allowed to be flippant and not take it seriously. It's our podcast. <laughs> first of all, the lady has a great point. I can't believe that you would talk that way to us. Yeah. Second fuck of you. all. It really fuck it, you. <laughs> second of all, it really is exactly the same as all the other stuff. Like we said at the top, the language might be slightly different, but it's exactly the same. And we were just looking at each other reading this stuff and just being like yeah we were on the couch like why i cannot they're not supposed to worship idols i get it i fucking get it and it's even it's all constructed the same anyway go read it for yourself and don't read it yeah don't just listen to this episode we're cutting out all we're we're cutting through the treacle (laughs) (laughs) perfect and uh we're zapping to chapter 37 zip zap to a valley full of dry bones thousands dry, dry bones and thousands of bones that have just been like sitting out in the sun like long dead just dry bleached bones you know what i was thinking about why do people say things are bone dry uh most of my interactions with bones uh-huh. they're like inside other things they're like wet and slimy they should be well they're not like when you but when you encounter them by themselves they're like always dry because they're like 
the flesh is gone. I guess so. I guess so. But I mean, if you think about it, like you're encountering them all the time. Like, I don't want to blow your mind, but your hands have like hundreds of little bones in them. What? I thought it was just ham all the way down. Yeah, I thought so too. When I was a younger and more foolish man. Uh, A foolisher man. I believed in in the ham body theory as well. (laughs) That you just slice a piece off and it's just just solid ham. Just a hot dog. (laughs) Yep. Which is just raccoon jowls and pig rectums. Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought the human body was made of, raccoon jowls and and pig rectums. (laughs) It's pretty much. You're telling me there's bones in there too? We're also apparently 70% water. That's fucked up. I'm going to, I need to verify this. So write to your congressman. This or is citation needed. <laughs> um, but so there's, there's bones everywhere. Bones, dry bones. Valley of dry bones. Mm-hmm. And God asks Ezekiel, son of man, or puny mortal. Right. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And God says, prophecy to these bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So this is a song that you may be familiar with, a folk song or a spiritual or whatever that goes, you know, like, Ezekiel had them dry bones, Ezekiel had them dry bones, Ezekiel had them dry bones, now hear the word of the Lord. And then, you know, it goes like, the toe bone's connected to the foot bone, the foot bone's connected to the whatever. Really? It sounds like a different song. No, that's the same song because what happens next is he starts prophesying to the bones and then they start assembling Mm -hmm. into skeletons. Mm -hmm. Into skeletors. Into spoopy skeletons. (laughs) And so, but it's like, I I just thought that was like, you know, the toes connected to the foot bone, whatever. Yeah. But it's actually like describing these skeletons zooming together (laughs) in a valley in... A wacky ass biblical vision. Mm-hmm. And they start getting, it says they get tendons and then they oh, get yeah. flesh yep. and they become like these corpses, but they don't have any wind in them. Right. Like they don't have any breath in mm-hmm. them. In Hebrew, the word is ruach, which also means like soul or spirit, hmm. because it's like, in the creation story, you know, God breathes into Adam, like he makes him out of clay and then breathes into him. Right. So that's like his soul. So these, like these are just clay that haven't been breathed into yet. Mm. And then God says, okay, now prophecy to the wind. And so then Ezekiel prophecies to the wind and it comes and inhabits the bodies. And it says, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Mm-hmm. I like the sound of this. So God says, God explains the metaphor. He does, thankfully. Yeah. Although I got it before he explained it. Well, good for you. He says, like, these are the bones of the Israelites. And it connects to that um, that cooking pot metaphor from earlier mm. where they said, like, where What's the meat and the dry bones are out there. Like, nobody wants the bones. Oh. But the bones are the Israelites who've been exiled. And it may seem like they're all like, like the nation is destroyed, but they're going to come back and be restored. And apparently they're going to form a giant zombie army and... To fight the Urukai or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Shamble along, undead, thirsting for Destroy the Jedi forever or something. Whatever. I don't know. Then another vision happens immediately in the same chapter. Mm -hmm. Where Ezekiel has two sticks 
And he writes, belonging to Judah on one, that's the southern kingdom, uh-huh. belonging to Ephraim on the other one, Ephraim is another name for Israel, the, the northern kingdom, and then he is supposed to hold the sticks together in one hand so it looks like it's just one big stick. <laughs> it's like magic. It's like magic. Imagine if you had just seen like angels with wheels. That like defy the laws of physics. Yeah, and, and the, then the like sapphire dome creating such an enormous sound that like it cracks the sky open. Zombie, a zombie army come to life uh-huh. from bones. Yeah, and then it's like, just hold this stick. It'll look like it's one stick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's supposed to symbolize like the reunification of the northern and southern kingdom. Yeah, when he brings the exiles back, there won't be a Judah and an Israel anymore. They'll just be a new. They'll be restored and reunited. Yeah. But the thing is, IRL, mm-hmm. only one of them gets restored, which is the Southern Kingdom. That's true. That's true. The tribe of Ephraim is lost forever. Yeah. There's no Ephraim left. There's no any of the Northern tribes left. Ten of them gone. Right. Which presents a problem because as we learned in Jeremiah 29, or excuse me, Jeremiah 28, 9. The prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his predictions come true. But this prediction does not come true. So. So? What, either, do, you want, what do you want me to do about it? Either <laughs> Ezekiel is a false prophet and the Bible is like flawed. Or we have to keep redefining things so that it's still a prophecy about the future and it still hasn't come to pass. Well, I mean, what are you trying to score points against the Bible here? Like, this is an ancient book full of weird metaphors. Like, no, I'm leading into chapter 38. Okay. Which is a solution to this problem because the, the problem is that this didn't come true. Mm-hmm. And chapter 38 gives a vision of s- some events even further in the future mm-hmm. so that you can always like redefine the timeline. Mm-hmm. So. Here's what happens in chapter 38. There's a prophecy against the prince Gog Mm -hmm. from the land of Magog. Magog. uh, Which just means like of Gog. (laughs) Uh, Which is not like there's no known archaeological record of any place called Magog or any prince called Gog. It's supposed to evoke a, a wild place somewhere in the north. Yes. So the prophecy says in future years, just defined loosely, in fu- sometime in the future, Gog will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel. So you can see how people in modern times would want to apply this to the modern country of Israel. Mm-hmm. Because, like, a lot of Jews have, quote unquote, returned there, mm-hmm. you know, from places all over the world. Um, and then, so like when this guy Gog attacks, God's going to freak out. There'll be earthquakes and everything. And it'll be like a day of judgment. We've seen lots of descriptions of apocalypses in the past few episodes. Uh-huh. And it'll be like that. Uh, and then God will destroy Gog and he'll treat the Israelites nice forever. And there'll be so many fallen Gog soldiers that it'll take them like months to bury them all and they'll need special <laughs> cleanup crews to like go out and bury them and they'll use their weapons for fuel instead of firewood. Yeah. And their weapons will last as firewood for like 
what is it, seven years or like three years? Three or years, I think. So over time, Gog from Magog became somehow morphed into Gog and Magog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became incorporated into the Christian idea of Judgment Day because, like, Christianity relies on claiming that these prophecies in the Old Testament apply to Jesus. Apply to Jesus. So right. they have to take these prophecies, they have to say that they're true. Mm-hmm. They can't just be like, oh, well, that never happened. Guess that one was wrong. Otherwise, it like undermines their argument that Jesus fulfills these prophecies. Mm-hmm. So this is now like incorporated into many Christians' vision of the apocalypse. And Jacques Chirac, the former president of France, okay. told a French journalist that when George W. Bush was trying to convince him to join the Iraq war, mm-hmm. he told him, Bush told Chirac that he saw Gog and Magog at work in the Middle East. And Jacques Chirac was like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, could somebody look up who Gog and Magog are? I've never right. heard of them. You yeah. know, I guess there's some like, you know, Taliban or whatever. No, they're, they're like mythical prophecy princes. And apparently George Bush took them literally. And that was part of his reason for being willing to go to war in this region of the world. That's insane. So we wanted some help understanding the book of Ezekiel. So we decided to give a call to our friend Grant, a.k.a. Ironicus. Uh, You may know him as the co-host of the podcast History Honeys, where he talks about events from history with his wife, Elena. Uh, You may know him as one half of ChipandIronicus.com, which does uh, Let's Plays and uh, monthly podcast about video games. Um. Here he is. Hi, Grant. Hey, what's up? Hey, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, so I will ask you, as we ask all of our guests, uh, what's your religious background? Uh, well, I am at least your second pastor's kid on the show. Oh, uh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. My, my dad was a United Methodist pastor for eight years of my childhood from... Uh, third through 10th grades yeah wow and what's your current religious status <laughs> i mean status. you, you kind of get sick of every sunday being take your kid to work day don't you uh, <laughs> i mean i got sick of every sunday being church day so <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean i uh i i think that you can't really understand like art and literature without knowing bibble Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at least in like a Western context, mm-hmm. but it really is that sort of, I don't know, artistic intellectual thing for me. I would not count myself as a Bible believer these days. Um, well, the reason that we have you on the line today is that mm-hmm. uh, you have some information to tell us <laughs> regarding, <sounds> regarding the book of Ezekiel and ancient aliens. <laughs> See, what you've got to understand about Ezekiel is that it's the story of an alien abduction, uh, a serial alien abduction. What are like the the main things that point to aliens? What do people, when they read this, where do they see ancient aliens? Why, why don't we uh, get to that point by, by rewinding Let's. and talking a bit about uh, ancient astronaut theory, Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> which is 
the technical term because if you're saying ancient aliens now you're just some history channel fanboy that, that's oh not, okay i see oh hey 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 some <laughs> meme lord from the internet yeah i don't want to be that i want to be a scholar of right, right. ancient it's extraterrestrial not all about exploration the, the, the big haired man there's literature uh crazy crazy literature <laughs> Uh, so the the ancient astronaut theory is just the idea that humanity was visited uh, either rarely or extensively in our ancient past by extraterrestrial visitors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so space is so incredibly big. That's that's the problem. How There's big just is way it? too much of it. <laughs> Uh, it's so big that things that are practically impossible are statistical certainties. There's mm. just so much space out there. So things like the Drake equation. Uh, um, it's from Uncharted, The right? Fermi paradox. <laughs> That's that sort like of thing. Hotline bling, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. How many other joke answers would you like? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so if you're looking at these just statistical likelihoods if uh aliens were to ever visit humanity Uh it would probably be before we started writing things down in books because that's so much more of our history Mm -hmm. makes sense uh and so you've got notable well-respected minds like uh carl sagan saying basically that like odds shake out if if they ever came they might have met egyptians uh more Mm -hmm. than they met americans sure uh, in the 1960s, uh, the, the new age starts coming out. And so people take these uh, beliefs a bit more seriously in their day-to-day life. And in the middle of that sort of context comes a book called Chariots of the Gods, uh, published in 1968, written by uh, Eric Von Daniken. That is a soap opera name yeah. if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Eric Von Dana Kirkpatrick. You haven't watched any soap operas, nope. have you? <laughs> uh, the only soap opera I care about? NASCAR racing. <laughs> Professional wrestling. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so Eric Von Daniken is like, you know what? There's a whole lot of holes in the archaeological record. Uh, there's a lot of commonalities between peoples that we don't believe had much direct contact. Therefore, why not aliens? And, and so mm-hmm. what, one of the big bits of... Um, evidence that he had that even made the the cover of the book this is the image that you first saw before you read anything uh was a sarcophagus lid from a a mayan priest or or a mayan king that shows a a human figure on a sacrificial table and he looks at that says that's kind of the same posture that mercury astronauts had in the capsule maybe that's an alien that makes sense that seems like a strong connection Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) I could see no other explanation. So from from then on, this gains popularity as a way to explain why uh, ancient people made these giant uh, monoliths like Stonehenge or these architectural marvels like uh, all the world's pyramids. Things that can really be explained much better by a lot of slave labor and not having anything better to do. Uh, Fair enough. Well, I mean, the slaves don't. The, have yeah, the slaves better. probably had something better to do, which was like not like dying. A- literally anything else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but but this gains traction, and uh, as the most popular 
text from ancient times, people start pouring over the Bible. And so that description of a flying machine from Ezekiel 1 that repeats in Ezekiel 8 uh, starts to get some attention for that. And so uh, an actual NASA rocket scientist, Joseph M. Blumrick, uh, he helped design the Saturn V. He worked on uh, space shuttle stuff. He was also a member of the German military in the Second World War. He, he had a long and storied life. I was going to um, say, uh, that sounds like a Nazi name, but then I was like, that wouldn't be funny. <laughs> and it turns out it wouldn't. <laughs> uh so he's like, okay, I'm going to debunk this, or at least so goes the story. This was his initial uh, intent. Uh, I'm going to pour over the book of Ezekiel and try to figure out what Ezekiel was really talking about with, with uh, these wheels within wheels and uh, four wings and four faces. And uh, glowing metal. Yeah, yeah. And so eventually he comes out the other end with a uh, a schematic, basically, for a flying machine mm -hmm. that I'm going to send you a picture of because it is ludicrous. Okay. Uh, Can you describe it? So uh, it is silver and round, two adjectives that do not appear in the book of Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a crystal uh, dome, right? It, oh, yeah, it does mention like a crystal dome. That's kind of silver and round. Not when describing the throne, does it? Well, the throne is sapphire. Throne is sapphire, but it's encased in a crystal dome. Ah, okay. So, uh, are we going to prove this dude right here? Right there? <laughs> you might. You might. Uh, how many helicopter blades did Ezekiel talk about? If you'll remind me. Well, I mean, um, you know, <laughs> when helicopter blades are spinning, it looks kind of like a wheel. That's uh, uh, the wheels are separate. See the oh, okay, uh, okay. Then uh, are the four wings. Oh, the four wings. Oh, that's interesting. See, and, and so, yeah, there, there's a dome with a sort of cone coming beneath it to, to make a weird, like, parabolic shape as the body of, of this craft. And four long legs coming down, each of which has four uh, uh, helicopter blades and is standing on two feet. And the feet are the wheels within wheels. <laughs> How are they within each other? Ah, see, Blumrick went on to invent and patent the Omni Wheel from these studies. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, you see, if you if you make like a regular caster wheel that you might have on the bottom of any sort of cart, right? Uh -huh. But you wrap that in beads so that like you could conceivably move the wheel sideways without actually turning it. Okay. Oh my God. That sort of thing, that's an omni wheel, and that is what he conceived the wheels within wheels to be. Interesting. <laughs> is there more evidence besides this man's one uh, feverish scribblings? The Spaceships of Ezekiel, which is Blumrick's book where he blew the lid off the whole thing, that, that is ground zero for Ezekiel ancient alien research. Okay. Uh, it, it's weird. It, it's strange that these people who have such an... I guess unorthodox view of history and and science kind of stay in lockstep behind. Look, yeah, uh, NASA man said so. So this is clearly what Ezekiel was talking mm -hmm. about. Like no one else has proposed a better spaceship design uh, for the throne of God. <laughs> but 
when people start to sort of uh, defend and advance this idea, then you get things like eating the scroll. Well, maybe that's just how the prophet rationalized some sort of like direct uh, mimetic download in, into his brain. Of course. Something. Mm. <laughs> things were... Ancient aliens is the one of the purest kinds of junk science in that they have started with the uh, conclusion and are trying to fit any evidence they can to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go, going exactly backwards. <laughs> yeah. it, it makes for a beautiful mess. Uh, <laughs> this actually reminds me, I just recently read an article about some new developments in flat earth uh, mm-hmm. theory. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The um, evidence still is not in. Like, we, we, <laughs> we're still we working on it. Questions. No, I mean there. I mean there actually was like a a breakthrough. Okay, in well, scare quotes. What's the breakthrough? Uh, it has to do with the fact that there used to be gigantic super trees that formed like the structure of the world, and that they were oh. cut down by some ancient, malevolent super high technology force. I see. Uh, and they turned into like the mesas and like plateaus that you see all around the world that even though those are obviously made of rock, they look like tree stumps. And so those must be giant tree stumps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why does that mean the earth is flat? I'm not sure what that has to do with flat earth exactly, <laughs> Okay, but it's, it's, it's linked somehow. I it's mean, like, I can't disprove it. Everybody wants us to think that the, the little trees are the only kind of trees that we've ever had. When in fact there used to be these super trees. I see, like really. I'm just very glad that this isn't a, a hollow earth theory. Uh, the, the belief that the earth is hollow and we live on the inside because if those trees were cut down, it could collapse any day now. And that would That's be terrifying. True. That's true. Wait, the uh, hollow earth theory says that we live on the inside? Mm-hmm. Oh well, there God. are two hollow earth theories. Okay. <laughs> One is that there is an inside and uh, the powers that be are keeping us out of it. And the other is that we are on the inside. And the sky is just an illusion? The, the sky is the middle. We look up and we can't see Australia because the sky is the haze in the way. Oh, of course, of course. It's just, that makes it's perfect just too sense. far. It makes perfect sense. The thing I like the most about this, uh, about this like roundup of flat earth stuff that I just read was that it stepped a little bit above my you know intellectual comfort zone and started quoting Foucault and stuff. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm, Foucault mm-hmm. was talking about how in medieval times, Western theorists had this way of interpreting the world that was like, if something is connected, it looks like it should be connected, it must be. Uh-huh. Like if you just sort out all of the connections, then like you can solve it all, you know, mm-hmm. like before deductive reasoning and like experiments and et cetera, et cetera. Scientific method. Yeah. Yeah. If something looks like something, kind of like something else, then they're probably related. And so you would treat like some sort of organ illness with a plant that looks like that organ. Uh, right, you know? right. It, it's why walnuts are great for headaches because it looks like a brain. Oh, right. of course. And Foucault was was sort of lamenting the loss of this like nonlinear thinking because he said it's a purely human way of thought that everything is, is subjective based on what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says the only place that that style of like linking thoughts together remains is in literature. Mm. I mean, it certainly holds in literature. Very much so. Where things are just symbols. And anyway, it made me be like, are flat earth people really, actually really smart? Or no? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're just really in touch with what makes us us. In a way they are, right? In the same way as like ancient aliens is like, 
people believe this stuff because they want some mm-hmm. thing to be true. And like you said, they start with the conclusion. They want that conclusion to be true so badly that they'll like reinterpret any source material into including holy books to be like mm-hmm. this definitely proves that this I know something thing that I came yeah, up with. Yeah. Whatever the, the thing is. Uh, another great thing about ancient astronaut stuff is that it's, it's it is undebunkable. So, like, if you look at uh, just the description of the throne of God, how it runs on wheels and it's supported by by winged angels, uh, all these details are replicated in art from ancient peoples uh, across uh, India, North Africa, the Middle East. Just everywhere there were ancient peoples, you, you see these sort of symbols popping up for the thrones of gods and the thrones of kings. And so that would uh, make some say that Ezekiel was working with the, the common imagery of the day. And others would say, oh, well, these spaceships were flying everywhere and everyone's mm-hmm. just uh, bringing them into more recognizable symbols the same exact way. Hmm. hmm. Which one could it be? <laughs> Look, I think it's too early to cast our lot in on either side for now. We need to we need we to see need more, more of the evidence. Oh, no, lot is a completely different ancient <laughs> astronaut thing. Uh Sodom and Gomorrah were nuclear weapons tests. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Or perhaps and, heat rays. We don't have the archaeological records to prove it. Ah, oh, so inconvenient. Is there anything else in the book of Ezekiel that people use as evidence for ancient astronauts? Like I mean, the, the like glowing metal vehicle with wheels, certainly, you know. Right. I mean, that, that's going to draw your, <laughs> your eye. Yeah. Right. Like, the thing I find strange is that, uh, like, speaking with angels, you would think are, you, you know, the actual extraterrestrials, right? Right. But the, the way that the uh, Blumrick design, I guess, rationalizes the figures is just those helicopter housings with the little wheeled feetsies. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you talk can't to those. zip like that, right? yeah. <laughs> were, were there speakers inside the... Uh, I, they were controlled by autonomous AIs, of course. Now, now <laughs> I'm angel intelligences. For him. I've, I've joined the conspiracy. I, I, I'm also very interested in the way that fringe beliefs and conspiracy theories sort of stick to one another. Uh, like if you were to do some sort of Venn diagram, it would look like someone spilled a box of bingo chips. Everything overlaps with everything. Mm. Uh, so like the, the book of Enoch is huge, uh, which you covered earlier, huge yes. with ancient astronaut folks. I mean, that makes sense that I very much right. like understand that connection because mm-hmm. you have actual like, Angels coming down and interacting with people with very strange results, like and you know they're they're giving the, this advanced knowledge and elevating the people. It's very two thousand one, the space odyssey. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then they start bumping celestial uglies with folks. <laughs> yeah, they start mashing, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mashing feet, mashing feet, <laughs> as yeah. the Bible would say. <laughs> they start playing footsies. Yeah. Um, And uh, so this is where you get the ancient alien offshoot that the descendants of our uh, uh, alien benefactors are still with us. And they are the Illuminati or the lizard people or the like uh, the the David Icke folks. 
Isn't he icky? <laughs> yeah, icky? yeah, icky. Um, I mean, he's very icky, but what is his name? Um, so, wow, okay. I'm, t- I'm taking in a lot of new information right now. I'm kind of still mm-hmm, stuck on, mm-hmm. like, Hollow Earth. But... <laughs> <laughs> do that for our conspiracy theory podcast. Where where do you think the uh, descendants of the angels are hiding? Oh. Unless they're hiding in plain sight, then you can sometimes see their eyes flash on TV. I don't right, know. Right, on YouTube, you can see <laughs> when they have, like, morphing problems or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what what were the aliens doing? Why did they make him lie on his side for 390 days? They're, they're <laughs> artists, baby. <laughs> art why did they make the, the him real, dig through his walls with his hands the real question is why they were so concerned that he make cook fires out of human excrement and then had a little wiggle room yeah that's true they they backed down on that they let him they let him do cow shit that was nice of them thanks aliens <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it undermined the the like concept of the work but you know it's it's a production <laughs> detail you know it's it became a little less authentic but mm-hmm. you know overall which do you think, this is a question for both of you, which do you think mm-hmm. is more plausible, ancient astronauts or God and angels? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer. I mean, like, it's a metaphor about religious experiences. I don't think it should be evaluated in terms of likelihood. Well, I mean, the, the specific events in here, you mean. The specific events? Is that, what you, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. But like, okay, that's, I, I'm on board with that. Okay. But, like, is it more likely that ancient astronauts visited Earth or that God and angels exist at all? Uh, ancient aliens. It's more likely, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, know. I have no idea. It doesn't seem uh, very plausible, I mean, at all. But nor does it seem plausible that there's magical force with lesser magical forces mm-hmm. that it sends around to interfere with people's lives. I don't know. You got me. I don't know. I think Did I've become a believer <laughs> okay. in ancient aliens. Good. I'm ready. <laughs> nice I'm work, ready Grant. to put on my tinfoil hat and join them. Okay, so we've converted Lauren to ancient astronaut theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you... I'm going to have to introduce... Like, you're going to have to like plug your nose at the the sort of colonialist, vaguely white supremacist implications, but oh. that's okay. Oh, Oh, right. Okay. Of course, that like ancient Egyptians could not have made anything. Right, right. How how did these people in Southeast Asia make such a massive temple right. complex when okay. they weren't even white? Uh, oh, man, that sucks. Why did I throw my lot in with these people? <laughs> what about Stonehenge? That's supposed to be white people, right? No, I want well, I was to asking stop Grant. <laughs> talking about this before you... Subscribe to any more, frankly, racist and offensive theories. <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> no, I want it's, more. <laughs> it's so fun to talk about things like this because I'm not allowed to actually watch the Ancient Aliens show. Uh, uh, by I, by whom? Uh, Elena gets angry. Uh-huh. Uh, well, she, Elena gets frustrated because I get so angry. It's, it's, uh, angry. Uh, it's, like, it's like when the bad guy wrestler comes out. I see. It's a daily Ancient hate. Aliens is, is my pro wrestling. Got it. All right, Grant, that is enough out of you and from us, frankly. So <laughs> where can people find you if they want to hear more of your mellifluous tones? 
you can find uh, my wife and I talking nonfiction uh, every other Tuesday at History Honeys. You can find us on iTunes or historyhoneys.podbean.com. You can find my best friend and my at chipandironicus.com talking uh, over video game footage because, man, we were in college once too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at G-E-N underscore Ironicus, where I'm mostly plugging the various things I'm in. And you can hear me playing tabletop games with some of my other friends at sixfeetsunder.com. That's S-I-X-F-E-A-T-S under.com. Oh, six feets under. Perfect. Thank you for so much for being on the show. Uh, we're big fans mm-hmm. of yours as well. So, Oh, thank you. I'm, I hope to have you back next time we're confused. Uh, which is frankly pretty regularly. So <laughs> it, it's the best part of my Sunday for sure. Oh, that's, that's very nice of you to that say. Um, all right. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the internet. Bye. Bye. So I think it's about time that we rate this book. All right. How would you rate this book? I will give it three out of seven Sapphire Thrones. Okay. Because one, it had... A lot of repeated prophecies and stuff mm-hmm. that I don't care about. And I understand very well by now how angry God is with the idolaters mm-hmm. and that he's going to destroy Jerusalem and build it back up again. I get it. Yep. I 100%. Like, I won 101% get this. Yeah. Um, 1,000%. What? Literally? Like, 5K percent understand. 9,000% understand. Over 9,000 understand. hmm Two. It has some real angry and unpleasant misogyny and oh boy just like is laying it on so thick like i feel like other books would just sprinkle it in there somewhere when it was talking mm-hmm. about jerusalem is a is a nagging wife or jerusalem is a horrible whore jerusalem is not a nagging wife she's a slut <laughs> she's a, a cheating whore fair enough this one that is its only source of metaphor for jerusalem that, not not its that only isn't... source that isn't like coming directly from God. That's like what yeah. what uh, Ezekiel thinks. Yes. That's what he can come up with on his own. That's his only well of inspiration for this. And it's unpleasant. And when you have to read a bunch of it, especially when it's all repetitions of the same prophecies anyways, it really gives you a nasty vibe, you know? Yeah. Which I guess it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, pluses. It has some like pretty effective language in that in that kind of way. I mean, it really puts you on edge. Yeah. Um. So it's certainly got a different tone than some of this other apocalyptic prophecy stuff. It's also, another plus, got some real zany goof junk in there. Mm, Zany goof junk, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's got some weird stuff for weirdos in Mm -hmm. it. Like the angels and some of the things that Ezekiel is asked to do. The aliens, ancient aliens. And the, the fact that the metaphors are like so mixed up or like so confusing sometimes that you're like is he physically doing this he like physically tied up like i don't get it anyway it's it messes with language in in an interesting way um but overall kind of not my favorite yeah i'm gonna give it four out of eight wheels within wheels okay because i mean kind of the same thing like okay first of all there's 48 chapters in here Uh uh-huh and we only talked about like 10 mm-hmm. because the rest was just repetitive filler. And that's way too much repetitive filler. <laughs> that's like trying to watch something on regular TV and 75% of it is commercials. Mm-hmm. 
Um, regular TV. We get premium TV. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, illegal internet TV. Uh, also, I'm like really retroactively angry that my church didn't teach me any of this. Like, I'd never heard these stories before. I have heard the song Ezekiel had them dry bones. Mm-hmm. Never knew. I've never heard of this vision. Really? It's, there's a, a valley of zombie soldiers. Yeah. And nobody ever mentioned this in church. <laughs> I feel like really cheated. You know, it's like that's when fair. We, that's fair. When we did the book of Enoch, I was like, this is the kind of stuff that like when you're raised Christian mm-hmm. and you like you're like looking for this. Stuff. You like memorize discrete Bible verses, but you never like read it through and you never you just like hope that stuff is hidden in there. It was hidden in there. It was hidden in there the whole time. Why didn't we ever talk about it? Why didn't we ever talk about fucking ancient alien angels? Ezekiel has a ton to, to remind me of Enoch as well. Yeah. It's very similar in some yeah. ways. Enoch's visions of the crystal palace where god lives mm-hmm. i mean that's very similar to this to the like sapphire dome with the, cr- the or crystal, crystal dome with the sapphire yeah. throne and stuff like that and the non-euclidean wheels and stuff yeah. like that that's very enoch yeah enochian mm, enochic delicious enochian <laughs> a potato <laughs> What is that? Uh, that's a gnocchi. It's okay. made of a potato. <laughs> Does that wrap up your your description? Uh, yes. Okay. You satisfied? Well, I want a big plate of gnocchi now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'll take one too. Okay. Thank you for offering two gnocchis <laughs> coming right up. <laughs> no, but that's the end of the episode. As always, we'd like to thank Elise Carlton for our logo and our art. You can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. Uh, on Facebook, Sunschool Drop as well. Uh, also, you can go to our website, which is sundayschooldropouts.lol. You can send us email to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Uh, thank you to Nico for our uh, music. He does original music f- for every single show. That's like we're on episode, what, 28? So it's he's done 56 different musics. 56 individual units of music. Yeah. That's right. It's pretty impressive. You're welcome. Also, he uh, does all the editing and sound engineering, and uh, it's awesome. A big Thanks. thank you. Big thank you to Lauren for having fun and looking good doing it. <laughs> you can follow her on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. <laughs> That's my name. If you want to help other people find the show, something really helpful that you can do is rate us on iTunes. Um, it sounds lame, but if you leave a rating and a review on iTunes, it will help other people find the show, which is, like, good. Yeah. I mean, that's just, like... That's, like, all we want in life. It's just a basic good, you know? And, you know, you can just give us, you know, five out of five uh, Sapphire Thrones or whatever. Yeah. Throw whatever... Five out of five zombie soldiers five out of, of the f- Lord. Five bondage prophets. Yeah. Whatever you want. Otherwise, we're going to take a break, and this break is going to last for one week. Yeah. And then we will do another so listen, one. Listen to this music for one week. <laughs> and then we'll see you again. In fact, we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.
Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.